Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. A Canva helps you get your point across uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. This episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hears from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Welcome to Brain Stuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, Brain Stuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. Let's talk about seahorses. From the growling, clicking, and purring sounds that they often make when greeting their mate, to their highly monogamous nature, there's much more to this distinctive and charismatic marine wildlife creature than its trademark horse-like head, elongated mouth, and curly tail. For example, they're actually fish— They may not look like it due to their unusual anatomical shape and lack of scales, but they actually belong to the class of bony fish that includes salmon and swordfish, and the family of fused-jawed fish that includes pipefish and sea dragons. All seahorses, some 44 species, are part of the genus Hippocampus, a combination of the Greek words for horse and sea monster. 
seahorses do have many physical traits in common with fish, including swim bladders that keep them buoyant in the water and gills to breathe. Unlike fish, however, seahorses are clad in a strong suit of sturdy, armor-like plates and possess a tough, bony structure that makes them difficult for other fish to digest. The result? They don't have many natural predators. One of the most distinct species is the largest, the Big Belly Seahorse, found only in Australia. With a maximum height of around 14 inches, that's 35 centimeters, this source has a distinctively large belly that's especially prominent in males. It also has large dark spots on its head and trunk, making it easy to identify. Another distinct group are the smallest, pygmy seahorses. They're less than an inch or two and a half centimeters in length, and they have an amazing ability to blend perfectly into their surroundings, which renders them almost impossible to find. Seahorses are the slowest moving of all fish species, because the only way they have to propel themselves is by using the tiny fin in the middle of their back. This single fin can beat back and forth up to 50 times a second, but the size of the fin keeps the seahorse from traveling great distances. Even with small pectoral fins that help them steer, seahorses are known to be so delicate that they can become fatally exhausted when waters get rough during storms. However, they are dexterous. Their flexible tails allow them to anchor themselves to coral or seaweed when they need to rest. At times, they've even been known to wrap their tails around their mates so that they don't lose one another. This aspect of their anatomy also makes them skilled hitchhikers. They may not be able to travel long distances quickly alone, but linking themselves to floating vegetation can take them to all types of interesting destinations. And seahorses are unusual in that they not only can move forward, but also up, down, and backward. The shape of their heads also helps them glide through the water almost silently. Combine that with their ability to camouflage into their surroundings, thanks to helpful chromatophores in their skin cells, and seahorses make great hunters, with a predatory kill rate of around 90%. But seahorses don't have teeth, or even a stomach like other marine species. So how do they eat? Instead of a mouth that opens and closes like ours, they have a tube for a snout that they use to suck in all of their food, like a vacuum. They eat pretty much anything small enough to fit through their mouth, which primarily is shrimp-like creatures, baby fish, and other small organisms. And because they don't have stomachs, they have to eat constantly. Since they're slow swimmers, they don't chase their prey, relying on sneak attacks to catch a meal. And let's talk about that monogamy. Lots of seahorses stay with the same partner for one or more breeding seasons. Every morning, seahorse couples engage in ritualistic dances to greet each other, moving through intricate, rhythmic sequences of twists and twirls for minutes to hours on end. They engage in these daily dances to strengthen their romantic bond, to ensure that their reproductive cycles are properly synced, and to verify each day that their partner is both still fervently committed and alive. After holding a complex courting dance during the reproductive cycle, a female seahorse lays eggs and then places them into a pouch of skin on the male's body that's known as a brood pouch. Then the male seahorse settles into an area to rest throughout gestation, which can last up to a number of weeks. When it's finally time to give birth, the fathers go through a series of violent contractions that push out the teensy babies, which are about the size of grains of rice. They'll spend the first two to three weeks of their lives alone, drifting along in the plankton layer of the ocean. 
less than one in a thousand will survive long enough to become an adult due to predators that eat them. The seahorse was thought to have mystical significance among several ancient cultures. The ancient Greeks and Romans associated the seahorse with the sea god Neptune or Poseidon, so the seahorse was considered a symbol of strength and power. Some of the oldest seahorse stories tell of Poseidon galloping through the oceans on a golden chariot pulled by hippocamps, beasts that had the head and front hooves of a horse and a body and tail of a fish. It's thought that ancient Greek fishermen believed the real seahorses they sometimes found tangled in their nets were the offspring of Poseidon's mighty steeds. Other ancient European stories say that the seahorse carried the souls of deceased sailors to the underworld, giving them safe passage and protection until they met their soul's destination. And some ancient Chinese stories labeled the seahorse a type of sea dragon, and as such were considered symbols of good luck. Today's episode is based on the article, Seahorses Have Hotels, plus nine other amazing seahorse facts on HowStuffWorks.com, written by Wendy Bowman. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio in partnership with HowStuffWorks.com and is produced by Tyler Klang. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in exactly. to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, right. which is different than empathy. Yeah. Right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.